Well, we start today with a very, very special guest. And in my quest to find people that have made my life a little bit more enjoyable, I'm going to say a very, very good day. And welcome to the 2005 UK TV Times poll, Greatest Soap Opera Star of All Times. And I totally agree. Jean Alexander, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Vince. Very nice to speak to you. Well, it's my pleasure. And, of course, um, I, I suppose immediately you tend to get asked always about Hilda Ogden. Um, as, obviously, most people will know the character, they might not know that you first appeared in Coron Coronation Street in 1962 as a landlady, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, it was an episode of um, Elsie Tanner of the time had a lodger, a young girl, and... Um, she had a baby, and the baby was kidnapped and discovered in a lodging house, and I was the landlady. <laughs> I didn't do anything about the kidnapping, you know, <laughs> but uh, it was dumped at my house. <laughs> so oh, that right. was the story. And you were Mrs. Webb, I believe, was that oh, right? Oh, now that's going back such a long time, I don't remember what the character was called. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Um, now, when you came to uh, the, the point of being asked to create this particular character that, uh, of course, you know, comes to you as a piece of script, what went through your mind and how did you decide to go the way that Hilda became? Well, it was, it was rather a rather difficult decision to make, really, because there had been one or two long-running series on television at the time, and when the series finished people were finding it difficult to get other work because they'd been um, remembered as a particular character. And I'd done a lot of um, one-off televisions, you know, that weren't a particular character, so that was all right. And I'd been 12 years in the theatre doing different parts, playing in weekly rep, and um, so I wasn't particularly typecast, but I wondered whether to go into the street. It was three and a half years old by then. This was in 1964, and it began in 1960, of course. And I didn't know, talk to my agent about it, and she said, well, take a chance, you know. You can always come out of it if you don't want to stay. So uh, I thought, well, okay. And no other job was in the offing, so, except a very short one for about five weeks or something. Five weeks' work, I can't remember what, what that was. So I took the Coronation Street one instead. And thankfully, it worked out pretty well. Although after five years, Bernard Ewan's my opposite number in the show, Stan, we were still saying after five years, do you think they're going to keep us on? <laughs> you know, because actors are notoriously insecure. You think you've got a good job, but you're always afraid it might stop. <laughs> yes. And of course, we all have this wonderful memory and this great picture of uh, Stan sitting in his chair, probably watching his telly, whilst poor old Hilda was busy working and... Oh, yes, doing three jobs at a time. Yes. She had three cleaning jobs at one time, you know, so she was working all, all, all day, all day long, virtually. But this was the way, I, I think it probably was quite an accurate portrayal of the way ladies had to work in the, that particular period of time. Well, um, yes, indeed. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't have very good jobs. I mean, Stan was only a bit of a window cleaner and... You know, he only had jobs off and on, so somebody had to bring some money in. And, and uh, so poor old Hilda was left with it, of course. <laughs> and, of course, the, the, the thing is, as you get deeper and deeper into a character, um, the, the, the question I certainly would love to ask you is, did you ever feel sometimes when you went home that you were still Hilda? As Never. 
So it never happened? Never, no. No, well, I was used to working in what was weekly rep at the time, which meant you were doing two plays at the same time. You were rehearsing a play during the day and doing a different one at night for a week. And the following week, you'd be doing the one at night that you'd rehearsed the week before and starting rehearsing another play for the week after. So I was used to learning, learning fast, getting into character quickly, and also switching it off when I didn't need it anymore. So the minute I left the building, Granada, Hilda disappeared and I took over. <laughs> so there was no taking it home with me at all. Now, written on uh, one of the internet websites, it did, did say that apparently uh, you, were, uh, you were stopped in the street while you were shopping um, and the fan asked if you were Hilda. And apparently you said, I beg your pardon, just as we're talking now. Yes. And the fan said, oh, don't you talk funny? Was, was that actually true? <laughs> well, yes, it was true because uh, I didn't talk the I don't talk the same way as Hilda used to talk, obviously. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Hilda was a sort of loud mouth, you know, with a, a big gob on her. <laughs> and um, they expected me to behave exactly in exactly the same way. And when I didn't, they were quite put out at times. Yeah. Quite I think... indignant sometimes because I wasn't doing it all the time. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, when, when I'm doing this particular series, when I'm trying to get hold of people uh, who have influenced the way I've been during my life. I remember when my kids were very young and it probably coincided with one of the scenes where you were uh, always with the, the duster, dusting round. Stan was doing very little. And, <laughs> um, you were singing in front of those three ducks on the wall. Oh, yes. Well, Hilda was always chortling away to herself. You know, I think it kept her going. I'm going to do my party piece. I'm going to ask you if you think it, it's fairly accurate. Go on. La, 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 la. All right, Stan. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's better than I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but my kids... The ears are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> oh, no, she was always chortling away because one day in the script it said, Hilda's pegging out the washing, so she was off screen at the time. And singing at the same time. So I started singing, <laughs> Can't help loving that man of mine. And the entire, the entire studio fell about laughing, you see, when we did it in the studio. And uh, after that, they kept putting in little bits of Hilda singing. And they always left it to me to pick a suitable suitable song to sing that Hilda would know. And, of course, Hilda, having been brought up just pre-war, pre-Second World War, and on, worked on munitions during the war, that was her background, she would know all the songs of the day of that time, which a lot of people <laughs> probably don't remember now, but Hilda would remember them. And I used to pick the odd song and just chortle away. Yes. And of course, I can't sing, you see. So the difficulty was, every time I tried to sing any of these, it was always in a different key, never in the same key twice. So I never knew what was going to come out when I opened my mouth. And sometimes I started too high for myself and couldn't get the top notes. So it was all a rather tricky business. To a sad time next, when, of course, the character of um, uh, Stan, played by Bernard Ewens, uh, he, he'd actually died and they had to build in... Yes, like, he did. He died in 1984. And th then they built his ending in sort of around that, didn't he? Yes, they did. But we didn't do that until... A, well, he died in June, I think it was, and he, we didn't do his death. Sam's death until October so we left quite a few months for the family to his own family to get over his, his actual yes. death you know yeah but but, but you I mean on screen it was a lovely relationship which so many people could relate to yes well it was a very good partnership I think because we both worked the same way 
You know, we yes. both knew what we were doing. Bernard had been in rep as well. He'd done many, many plays in the theatre, and so had I. So we knew what we were about pretty well. And we worked very much the same way. We could even say each other's lines half the time. <laughs> and, of course, when you decided that, um, you know, it was time to say maybe to change your life and maybe move to another uh, another challenge, if you like, I think a lot of the, um, well, let's go to the actual event, 20 million viewers. Does it ever cross your mind just how immense that figure was? <laughs> it was a bit shattering, actually. I mean, I can't... Uh, I can't imagine that many all put together at once. Yes. But uh, it was it was a great compliment that so many people had enjoyed enjoyed the performance. Yes. Because I'd been working in it for 23 and a half years by then. And um, I thought, well, I've justified my existence as far as that character goes. Well, but it was very, very a great compliment. And of course, um, in the well, well, 1987, when it actually happened, your, your fans didn't really realise, did they, that it was your decision to change? Oh, no, what? no, I don't think anybody did. No, I wanted to leave because uh, Hilda was getting very little to do in the last year that I was in it. I was getting so little to do, it was hardly worth going in, you know, every day and rehearsing because I had so so little bits of scenes. Yes, and, you, and you, I was getting bored having to be at Granada all day doing virtually nothing. You yes. know, I thought it wasn't. It was time I went. Because you, you, you were cleaning. weren't you cleaning for a rich lady or something? Yes, that's yes. right. Yes, yes. The, the doctors, the, the doctor and the doctor's wife. Yes. Okay, and yes. of course um, you and were... Hilda went off to be the doctor's uh, housekeeper. Yes, because his wife was killed in a in a burglar's raid. While Hilda was with her, they were packing up to to pack up all their stuff to go to his cottage in Derbyshire that he'd bought for his retirement. And um, he went out to get some takeaway food because they packed everything up. And uh, burglars came in, beat up Hilda and the wife. And the wife, of course, died. Hilda got better. And the doctor asked her if he'd go and be her housekeeper. She had her own little flat in the house and... Um, of course, she went. That's yes. the way she went out of it. Now, um, what was absolutely staggering, really, is that not only did the fans have your Save Hilda campaign, um, uh, but you also had Laure Sir Laurence Olivier did something, didn't he? Oh, well, uh, there was <laughs> a sort of thing called <laughs> the British League for Hilda Ogden <laughs> with <laughs> Laurence Olivier and uh, Michael Parkinson and... Um, Oh, I can't remember the other the other man who three of them <laughs> got this together and got some funny badges made, but it never really took off. But uh, Lawrence Olivia was a great fan of the street because he came up to Granada in nineteen eighty six, I think eighty five, eighty five, I think, and directed six plays, and he was in some of them himself. And um, I met him then. Our producer introduced me to him, and. Um, he said he was a great fan of Hilda and Stan, and, and uh, he'd love to be in Coronation Street, but he could only do one line at a time because he <laughs> needed a lot of rehearsal. So I said, pull the other leg, it's got bells on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely but charming man, charming man. Now, you really did stagger me when we first spoke, and you tell me it's about 21 years since the, the, the last time you were in Coronation Street. Yes, 87 week before Christmas, 87. Absolutely. I don't think many people can realise how long that is. It's well, a, it's a long time. And, of course, you... 21 you, years. And, and uh, uh, you have moved to another great series. Indeed. The year after I left, I was offered um, 
Last of the Summer Wine, and I've been in it ever since. I'm just doing my 20th year in Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And I've done other things as well, you know, Heartbeat and one or two other different things and radio. So it's not been all... Uh, oh, those are your scones, aren't they? Excuse me, I okay. won't be a minute. Can you manage if, yes, I, if I just go for two minutes? I'll busk. Um, Robbie, a moment. Thank you. <laughs> Let me just tell you that uh, when I first called, Gene uh, was putting some scones into the oven, so it's quite nice, really, isn't it? Just Can, can you get the picture of Jean uh, going for her scones to get them out of the oven? That was the timer that was set. In fact, I, have, I seem to have a habit of doing this. The, the last time we had a call with uh, Brenda Lee, she was just getting ice creams for her grandchildren. For those of you just joining us, by the way, on the Thurrow International, 94.6 FM. For the Sorry about that, Vince, interrupting your programme. Not at all. It's I, I had to get my scones out before they burned. I, abs- <laughs> I absolutely love live radio. and uh, quite f- It's quite funny because you know, very often I'm talking to somebody and something will happen. And whereas a lot of people, you know, worry about things, I love it. I think it's absolutely lovely to think, you know, you're doing the scones at the same time. Uh, I want to ask you about your autobiography. Oh, yes. So it's called The Other Side of the Street. That's right. And which is more about my life than it is of the street. OK, so yeah. um, you were born in Liverpool. And yes. Can you give me a little bit of the, the feeling of how you wrote the book? Um, well, I had, I had help writing the book. It was, uh, uh, wasn't ghostwriting exactly, but it was written, put together by two friends of mine who were book dealers, uh, one of whom was in the first... Um, theatre company I belonged to, my first professional job, and he was an actor, but he and his partner dealt in books, and he left the business later on, and um, we met after quite a number of years, and we were talking about my days in rep and whatnot, of course, and and laughing like mad, you know, all the funny things that happened, and they said, why don't you write your autobiography? I said, don't be silly, I can't write. They said, well, we have some conversations with you and we'll record and we'll just talk like we're talking now and then we'll put it all together and it'll be what you said rather than anything that we've made up, you know. So I said, right, so we did that. And um, they put it all together in the right order and that's the way it turned out. I was quite pleased with it because it was actually what I said. They didn't didn't alter things, you know, they didn't make things up. Well, I always like to ask uh, anybody I'm inter- interested in trying to find the, the, the reasons why we do what we do in life. Could you say that there was anybody or any one event that sort of guided you to what you became? Um, not really. I was always interested in, from about the age of four, when I first knew what a theatre was, um, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be up on that stage, not sitting down there watching. And it was because my father occasionally, when he could afford it, would take us to the Pavilion Theatre in Liverpool, which was a musical variety theatre. Yeah. And I saw all the great variety artists of the 20s and 30s there. And um, that's where I wanted to be. You know, I thought, what can I do that's easy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, I can't dance. The dancers were so clever, and I'm, I'm not an acrobat. I can't do that, and I can't tell jokes. And then I saw a man called Teddy Brown, who was famous in the variety world, who played the xylophone, big man. And he stood there smiling at the audience and playing away on these little, with these little hammers, you see. And I thought, now that looks easy. I could do that. <laughs> Didn't know you'd have to learn music, of course. But, yes. uh, well, at the age of four and a half, you don't realize that. But um, I thought, that's what I could do. 
So then later on got myself into one of the hardest jobs in the world, which was weekly rep. Yes. <laughs> Doing two plays at once. And, um, I mean, right through the book, obviously, you, you, you will have talked about things other than Coronation Street. Oh, yes, yes, things the way Liverpool was, you know, our life in Liverpool before the war and during the war, of course. And, and did, you, did you find that there was any or any type of connection between the life during the street and, you know, the, the other side of your life, or are they completely separate? Oh, completely separate. Yeah. Quite separate, yes. Oh, the, the street was only a job, only another job, you know, it wasn't my life. Do you, do you I'd, had, I'd had quite a long life before that. Um, do, do you feel, though, that uh, sometimes, even yourself, you've got to maybe stop and pinch yourself to realise just what an influence you've had on, on everybody that's well, watched that programme? It's very difficult to realise that, because it, it apparently it has had an influence on many, many people, and I hope it's been a good influence. You know, I hope the good bits of Hilda, with her sense of values, you know, she was very in some ways, straight-laced. Yes. You know, she was a puritanical little person mm. and always thought, do the right thing, you know. Hated Stan going and <laughs> losing all his money but couldn't do anything about it. And um, sort of set herself up as a guardian of people's morals, really, but uh, didn't get very far with it, of course. <laughs> but um, I, I hope she'd had some good... Uh, good well, my, effect on people. my family, if, if, if you can take us as, as a straw poll, we loved uh, watching Coronation Street. Uh -huh. And uh, we all enjoyed, especially your singing, believe it or not. <laughs> it's a terrible noise. <laughs> we Frankie really Vaughan wanted me to make a record with him at one point. I said, no, no way. The ears wouldn't stand more than two bars of anything that Hilda sings. Yes. You know, because I can't sing properly. I came in one day, and, you know, being out here in Spain, it's nice to sort of be surprised by a few uh, gems and little nuggets that you spot on TV. You were in an afternoon play. Now, this was probably about three years ago, maybe, maybe a bit more. Yes, um, I've done several. OK, I think the series was the afternoon play. Would that be right? Yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, it, it, I came in from work. I was very surprised that you were in it. And I immensely enjoyed that particular play in the afternoon. Oh. So there we are. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you did. I, can't, I don't know actually which one it would have been. Um, the nearest one would have been... Would it be something to do with driving? Did, 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 I'm trying to find the word that was actually on the play, but I think it was something to do with driving. With driving, yes. The girl, Lodger, uh, has... Yeah, the old lady, uh, me, son, knew this girl who worked for a, a, a car firm. Was it that? I think it was that one, yes. That would be it, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes you... she was an outy old biddy, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jean, look, thank you very much indeed to take the time, not only to put your scones in the oven and come, <laughs> come, come back. That, uh, okay, Vincent, thank you very much lovely. for asking me, and good wishes to all our um, Brits, of course, and everybody else in Spain who happens to know something about the street. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Well, we, we loved you in the series, and long might you uh, reign in uh, everything else you do. And I make a, a, a tribute page, and a copy of, the invo uh, the, uh, copy of this uh, interview will go on it as well. Oh, thank you. Jean, lo uh, lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much thank indeed. You. Thank you, Vince. Bye-bye. Goodbye now. Bye-bye.
That was the actress Jean Alexander. You might remember her better as Hilda Ogden, and uh, I absolutely loved speaking with her. I enjoyed her work immensely. Here's Phil Collins at 133.